Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles, and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. which we predate. My name is Craig Cairns and I am your host for today, whenever you're listening. I was going to say this evening, don't even know why I bothered correcting myself there. And I've got two people to join me in going through the journey that was the Scottish Cup semi-final weekend. This is a horrendous intro. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear them laughing, it's Stone Cold Andy Harrow. Ah, yeah. And it's uh, one of our two resident statues, it's Tom Watt. Hello. We're just going to have the, the Scottish Cup semi-final weekend is routinely my favourite weekend of the Scottish football calendar. Uh, we've had some cracking weekends over the years, but this one I feel didn't quite didn't quite live up to, to, to previous years. Um, and we'll start with the first game, we'll start with yesterday's game, which was Aberdeen 0, Celtic 3. Speaking of just before we came on air Tom, so let's um let's kinda let's kinda kick off from there. Um I felt going into this game that it was one of the best chances until I saw the starting lineup. I felt it was one of, the, um, one of Aberdeen's best chances to beat Celtic. I thought because Rodgers is gone, that's going to kind of be a little bit of a leveler. Prove not to be the case, but in the end, it turned out to be one of the worst performances from a Derek McKenna side against uh, Celtic at Hamden. I think one of the worst performances from a Derek McKenna side in the last five years. That um, I mean, the, there are there are caveats to that. I think there there are two important ones to touch on. First of all, the fact that 
you know, there were so many players out and you can argue that that's the manager's fault, but through injury or suspension, it was a ludicrously young team. Um, and I think there are there is an argument over the red card, whether it was a red card, you know, whether it was a, a second booking, whether the first one was a booking, particularly given what happened with Gary McKay-Steven in the League Cup final, which looked to be a very similar, if not absolutely identical incident. Having got that out of the way... It was a terrible performance. Um, the there wasn't really any fluency. They just they didn't look confident. They had you know it was a very very young midfield to put up against. Um, you know a, a position that Celtic are, are particularly strong and have a lot of depth in and can change things. Um, I mean they were they were dogged enough for half an hour, uh, but it, it wasn't the performance of a team who have had some better results against Celtic and have had some very good results in Glasgow this season. Um, and a Celtic, against a Celtic said that there was a sense they were vulnerable. Like they hadn't, they, they, I mean, they've, they've obviously still got the same players and they're obviously going for a treble and, you know, they're obviously the best team in the country, but they've lost the feeling of invincibility. And it, they didn't really capitalise on that at all. And should we just address the obvious now then? You kind of already brought it up, the, the red card. Let's kind of just get that out of the way and we can talk about the other stuff. I mean, I think that it was... Given that it was already on a bookend, it was definitely mm-hmm. another bookend. Mm-hmm. I think it was in that kind of... It was in that borderline area where it probably could have been a... Probably could have been a straight red for the challenge because I think that... Um, I just think he's, he's endangered his opponent. He's, he's, his opponent... I know this doesn't necessarily mean that you have endangered your opponent, but he he knocked them out and he had to be stretched off and go to hospital for a scan. I think um, that in itself tells you that he's endangered them, but I I just think that um, when they both go for the ball, it's about 90% to 10% in in Christie's favour. Ball's ball's never going to be winning that. Not only that... um, it's just in such an innocuous area of the pitch. He just doesn't need to do it. And to I, I agree with the, the the comparison you've made with the Boyata one. Now, I think that should have been a penalty, um, which wasn't given on the day. But I don't know if that was quite as bad. That was that was more that was more a, a just a typical aerial duel. I think where it just accidentally ended up and I know this one was an accident as well Paul's not going to hurt him but yeah I think I think there's I think there's quite obvious um, differences between those two but uh, yeah I think the red card was fair I'm, I'm not sure that there are the differences are that pronounced actually I think they're pretty pretty similar McInnes tied himself up in knots a wee bit afterwards because he kind of said he referenced the Beata one and said well we should have had a penalty there and then for uh, the one yesterday, he was kind of saying, well, it shouldn't have been a, you know, was it a foul or anything. They were both fouls, and I would say probably both bookings, because like you say, they're endangering the person. In both occasions, the person's meaning to go for the ball. There's no sense from either of them yep. that they're, they're trying to injure the other person, but they're both late. The same way that you may be a high boot or whatever else, it's not necessarily that you're being dirty, that you're just going in about it the wrong way. But yeah, it was late. And Gary Mackay, Stephen, there's maybe an argument to say that Ball would have been easier pulling out than Bayata was. Uh, that might be a thing because I feel like maybe Bayata was coming at it, um, and it was a slightly quicker situation. Whereas it felt a bit more like there was a wee bit more time for Ball to kind of decide whether or not he wanted to go for the challenge. 
But I think both are both were fouls and both are probably yellow cards. And I, and I think the first one, because I, I, I was at the game yesterday and kind of coming out of it, there was a lot of Aberdeen fans saying, well, it just as we were kind of passing, quite a lot of them said about the first one not being a yellow card. I think it, I think it probably is as well. To be honest, I think it's not a, it's not like a, an absolute nailed on yellow card. It's not the worst challenge mm. ever. It, but it is, it is a cynical kind of tackle in the sense that he's just gone it, past it, it him. It was to some extent, but, but the ball was going out of play. Yeah, I think that's a big factor. Which it has yeah. to be a factor. I mean, I, I think that having been like, I mean, I am perhaps telling myself I'm not this a little bit being on a booking to go in for mm-hmm. that kind of challenge. And I don't, I, I think when you watch it in slow motion, it looks like he drops his head and headbutts him. Yeah. Uh, and it looks much, much more calculated than I think it was. I think he probably did have time to come out of it. And I think if you're on a booking, that's an idiotic yeah. challenge to, to, to go into. But I think with the, the his one, it was his first tackle of the game, which doesn't, which only kind of counts for something, but the ball was going out of play anyway. Like Johnny Hayes yeah. is not in control of the ball when it happens. So I, I don't think it was... See, I think the referee would tell you that that yellow card was given for stopping a promising attack, but if the ball's going out of play, then you're not stopping a promising attack. Because I don't think the yellow's for uh, being reckless uh, or, or anything like that. Uh, so that, that, that would be I, my, I, and, I, and I have to say, I've probably tied myself in knots for the Gary comparison because he got carried off injured as well. <laughs> there was maybe also an element with ball as well that Aberdeen were, were kind of going into challenges quite heavy and, and generally it's legally as part of that, that first sort of 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. I can't remember if ball had had any sort of previous ones where it wasn't a foul, but he'd maybe gone in a bit rough. But certainly some of the Aberdeen players, Ferguson especially, had done it a few times. And maybe Ball's also a wee bit unlucky in the sense that he's the next one to, mm-hmm. to do something and the referees thought, right, now's the time for... Because he talked to Ferguson a couple of times beforehand. So I agree. The, the, the first one, I think I wouldn't criticise the referee for giving it as a booking, but it's not the harshest. You know, it's not the, the clearest yellow card in the world. But the, the main thing is it was it was so stupid, that second one. Like, you've got the whole game on a booking, whether it was deserved or not. Really, and it wasn't such a pointless area of the pitch, like middle of the pitch. So yeah, that's it. Does, really doesn't need to it. make the challenge at all. Um, so, but even even before that red card, I think the writing was on the wall really for Aberdeen. I mean, obviously they could have they could have wrote it out, could have snuck a goal or something like that. But it looked early on that Celtic were in the mood and were going to dominate. Um, Aberdeen kind of man marked the the Celtic midfield, but what they weren't counting on, I don't think, is uh, Jozo Simunovic turning into <laughs> Virgil Van Dijk for, for five minutes. Yeah, and he was given an awful lot. I mean, I think one of the one of the thing one of the many things that was missing is you know when you play when you play a central midfield that is so young, there isn't the kind of tactical discipline there might have been. So when he was getting the ball inside his own half who was meant to be closing him down to stop him just travelling 30, 40 yards with the ball. I, just, I, I, I think McInnes' tactics would probably to allow him to have the ball yeah. and not bother about but, him bursting but, through the midfield. But again, I think it comes down partly to being a young team. I think they were clearly man-marking. And Campbell yeah. quite often was kind of like the f- third centre-half. He was yeah. so deep. Yeah. And it takes somebody maybe who's a wee bit more experienced to kind of say, right, there is a wee bit of a threat here, but actually this is the, the bigger threat and I need to go out and... And the, the Simunovic one where he bombed forward and had a shot from the edge of the uh, from the edge of the box it, after a, Cam- after a Cruyff turn. Well, <laughs> Campbell at that 
point was like halfway between who looked mm. like his man and him and you could see him going yeah he didn't know what yeah. to do because obviously the, the bigger danger for picking a pass or, or or to your goal is McGregor but McGregor pulls really deep and you can see him he's caught between whether do, do I close down does somebody else close down soon when you're rich because it obviously wasn't part of the game plan to close him down no and it's bad, it's bad enough for Aberdeen that they've lost Shinny but bringing in Campbell and he, he did I thought look especially second half it almost doesn't matter. You can. It doesn't really count in a, a way because they're down to nine men at parts of that. But in the first half, it he felt very inexperienced. Like physically, he was maybe there, but he just didn't have the same kind of game awareness. You know, people were kind of going past them quite easily. They were kind of showing up for dummies and stuff. And then there was the issues in terms of who he was supposed to be picking up. And I guess Ferguson, Ferguson, I don't know. Okay, game until his head went uh, in the second half, but. He maybe wasn't experienced enough to be able to help him through the game. I kind of felt like... I thought he did better after that first five, ten minutes. They settled into it a wee bit more. And the more it physical it got, actually, the, the more it seemed to suit Aberdeen a wee bit. But they never really got any control in that midfield, I don't mm. think, at any point. I, mean, I think... I, I actually thought that after five minutes, it was like, here, here, this, you've know, seen, mm. this, seen this film before. I think I, I said as much on social media. Um, but... After after that period, it did feel a little bit like it settled down a little bit. There, you know, there weren't great opportunities or anything, but it was a little more. They put some passes to get yeah. in, but the the game didn't feel like it turned on the first red card. The, the game felt like it turned on the booking because at that point we're like, he's he, Don Ball's going to get sent off. He's definitely going to get sent off. And Johnny um, Hayes was obviously put in. Uh, well, first of all. I, I think, he, I think he deserves to be spoken about on his own in isolation uh, in terms of his performance. And plus, um, over the last few years at Hamden, he's been on the losing side in the final with Aberdeen. I think he missed last season's because of a broken leg. Or he like missed the League Cup final with Aberdeen, got carried off after 10 minutes. Right, yeah. And, and he probably wouldn't have played and uh, he wasn't really a, uh, one of Rodgers' favourites or anything like that. But he's very much a Lennon player. And uh, he was clearly picked because Dom Ball was seen as uh, one of the weak spots in that Aberdeen team. He's, he's playing... He's playing out of position, uh, and yeah. So, so not only was um, did Ball pick up an early book, and I think um, I think that was a game plan from the start to to uh, to attack Ball. And, and you know, it, it would have been a very simple tactical decision to make. I mean, it, it was there were you know there were any number of question marks over how Aberdeen would line up, but I think if you've got the opportunity to put Hayes and Tierney. Up against Ball and Stewart, sure, yeah, who yeah. you know, who has has played wide and has, but I mean, recently has played behind Cosgrove, but just there is no other option other than he's kind of got to play wide. And I thought he started reasonably well, but neither of them are playing in their preferred position. Um, just created a really obvious mismatch. I thought, the, I mean, Hayes and Tierney linked up really well. Hayes is very good at dropping back and covering his fullback when need uh, need be. But you know they were getting forward at will, and and ball was obviously picked up as a, a, a an obvious weak point. Yeah, I think you're right about um, there was no other option really but to play Stuart White, and I think with Shinny missing as well, I think May was an obvious choice to kind of to sit on Brown, like sit behind the forward just on Brown. Um, 
And it took to just before half time, not long after that red card, and just before half time for the first goal. And uh, what a beauty it was! I mean, James Forrest, good shout for player of the year. I think Callum McGregor was saying as much, who's probably his main competition, <laughs> was saying uh, as much after the game. But he, yeah, he just he just loves Hamden at the moment. Just loves playing at Hamden. It's the goal that Tom Rogic usually scores against Aberdeen yeah. at Hamden. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I mean, he. I, I thought by his own standards, he had been. Relatively quiet until that point, but then he gets it, and you and yeah, what a touch! Yeah, just uh, take it on Brilliant the turn. Point. It was a beautiful, yeah, yeah, yeah beautiful it was touch. a terrific finish. And he, he is, I mean, it's his production this season. He's been involved in over thirty goals, isn't he? He scored twenty two, right? And it's in the double figures for I think assists as well. So yeah, I mean, it's there was one of those lies of social media saying he's the only player in the world to be involved <laughs> in like forty goals in clever club and country this season, which is definitely yeah, not, not true. true. Yeah. <laughs> but but he's definitely played. At a, I mean, you talk about um, Fraser down at Bournemouth playing well, and uh, you know, seen talk about bigger teams looking for him. Forrest is kind of at that level as well because he's at Celtic. Obviously, there's a bit of a anti-Scottish bias about it from from people down south, but. He's now been playing with certainly two seasons, maybe two and a two and a bit seasons at that level, basically. And another one, I mean, I, I think he could play. He is at that kind of you know, if you talk about Tierney being somebody who could slot into a, a team now uh, down south and at a higher standard, Forrest is kind of suggesting that he could be like that. Like he seems, you know, in terms of his commitment to improve, he obviously seems to have got that. He can. He's just that end product now is just there all the time. Like yeah. whether it's and he doesn't always have to have a good game, but he still has some sort of telling impact in the game. So I mean, I, it, he's just taken a little long. I mean, you, it, it's not like he's burst onto the scene this season, but it's been like you say two or three mm. years, and I think the potential was always there. I think the main thing for him in the last eighteen months is his decision making is mm. just vastly improved. I mean, there was. He was always a danger. He, you know, he was always capable of goals. He was always good running at players, um, but it, 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 and it wasn't even that there was a problem, you know, like his final ball let him down or anything like that. But he's now even more direct. Um, he knows when to release other players. He knows composed, when to composed, yeah. more composed. Yeah, much. And, and I mean, I know this goal has nothing to do with composure, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's, well, he's much more composed now. Those uh, goals he scored for Scotland. Uh, one where he kind of and he scored a very similar one um, in a game recently where he just takes one touch in a crowded mm-hmm. penalty area and then puts it in the bottom corner. He's got much better at that kind of skill as well. But it, that's confidence as well. Forrest is now somebody who I think sees himself as being one of Celtic's biggest players and is happy to take on that responsibility. Nothing was happening in that game really. He just decides I'm going to leather it from. 30 yards out. He's actually trying a bit too hard to get involved yeah. in the game. He was, I mean, I think he's been told more recently to kind of, well, he's, he's brought into his game more to kind of drift off yeah. the, off the right. but he was popping up in the left wing. I mean, he got booked for diving when he ended, mm-hmm. he popped up in the left wing at one point. So yeah. it was like he was trying a bit too hard to get involved in the game at one point. But yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a moment of uh, magic and uh, Celtic never really looked back after that. Um, he almost scored another a few minutes later. Oh yeah, I should point out that's the last three rounds he's scored in this competition now. Pretty decent record. And then in the second half, um we had the penalty on Hayes or the the the, the, 
Devlin gave away the penalty for the challenge on Hayes. I mean, there's no real arguments. Is no, that he kind of no. he inadvertently stands on his foot? But I think the the damage is done before that. Where I, I don't know what Devlin's thinking. So, it's like he goes to go for a header, but then pulls well, out I, of it. I think. Yeah, I don't know about, about that. But certainly looking at it back, Edward's been whether he's been smart or he just happens to have been there that he's on Devlin's shoulder. And what Devlin. I would suggest should have done is to pass him over to McKenna or whoever or Considine, whichever was the closest centre half to him. But he doesn't. He kind of stays with him a kind of second or two too long, and then obviously he then gets caught under the ball when it when it comes across. And maybe that's a part of him being a centre half mm. at heart that he's like, well, there's a centre forward there. I'm going to yeah, mark the centre forward. That it makes sense. But obviously he's kind of caught out, and then compounds it by giving away a, giving away the penalty as well. And to be honest, the game was probably over anyway. It didn't feel like it was going to be a game. I mean, you could have said that, I guess, with the old firm game a few weeks ago, that it didn't look like a game where Rangers would come back from a goal down and down to 10 men. Maybe that actually was an issue for Aberdeen, the fact that Celtic had already gone through that experience of kind of taking their foot off the gas a wee bit. So they, they knew not to do that in Aberdeen. I mean, Aberdeen don't have nearly as much experience. No, that is, true. That is, that is true. That's true. And they also, I mean, they don't have anyone like Morelos or anyone that can kind of... And plus they're a team of early 20-something-year-olds yeah, playing yeah. with 10 men as well, not not just... No. The, so. Certainly the feeling at halftime was the only... You know, nobody was, was feeling optimistic whatsoever, but the only way that it was going to be a game is if it became a battle and Celtic got players sent off as well and there was nobody who was going to... I mean, other than Conor McLennan, there wasn't really any like runners that were stretching play. There wasn't really anyone. Um, it, it was well, it was just very yeah. flat. That wasn't going to happen. It wasn't like it didn't have the same intense atmosphere as as the Old Firm no. game, where you, you know, it, it can change very very quickly, and someone can just lose a head. Yeah, and that and wasn't going to. And I don't know if it was you, Craig, they said about or somebody said about in the WhatsApp group about taking off their own person. So rather than, it being, me. rather than it being me that went off, and I presume they meant Stuart is probably the, the person that should have come off. But certainly Stuart did absolutely nothing once they went down to 10 men. Yeah, I mean, May's going to... He's not going to score, but uh, he's... I don't mean to say that Greg Stewart doesn't work hard, but May, I mean, if May, if anything, May is a really hard worker. He's yeah, a really yeah, busy yeah. player in both of the defend defensive and attacking sense so yeah maybe with 10 men with hindsight he's maybe a better player to have on than Stuart with 10 men but at the same time he can't produce a moment of quality that um, that Stuart has in his locker I suppose although they probably didn't make much difference <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't think it did I mean I, I, I think everyone was, was quite surprised that May came off because of what, he, what else he gave I think either Cosgrove or Stuart could have come off I think I mean, I, I was very. I noticed he's not played very often this season, but I think you can almost summarise. I mean, there's an awful lot of things about Aberdeen this season you can summarise in the fact that Stephen Gleeson, you know, he is not a flash in the pan Irish international. He's got a couple of goals for Ireland, and his face doesn't fit. Whether it's personal, whether it's training, for whatever reason, he doesn't fit. And you know, when Derek McInnes looked for a starting eleven, he he went for Dean Campbell instead of. Uh, you know, a guy who's played at a very high level in England and and is an international and decided not to play. And then when he had, um, when he lost a right back, he decided not to take on Halford, who is a right back, or not to take on Gleeson, who has certainly played right back for at least the season, and went went with Devlin instead. So I think 
I mean, it's a long way down the list of things that went wrong, but the substitutions were like maybe 20th or 21st in the list of yeah. things that went wrong for Aberdeen. <laughs> yeah, uh, Stuart, um, James Wilson, actually, he was quite funny because we were sitting near where the kind of subs were, and he was he was on the touchline for ages. He seemed to be, because yeah. Celtic kind of had a, quite a few corners in a row. Aberdeen were kind of penned into the, their own box for a period of time. So I, I presume they were kind of waiting for that to clear before they could bring Wilson on. So he was hanging around there for ages. And then... Ferguson gets sent off. Uh, no, so, aye, so this would have been it too. Now then Ferguson gets sent off, and then they lost the third goal, and then he's sort of hanging around for a wee bit more. But Gleason's kind of gone in front of him, and then gets on, and Wilson's hanging around there for a wee bit longer, and then eventually somebody tells him just go back and sit down. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> you missed one um, crucial part of all that was uh, McInnes getting sent yes, off for the get yeah. right fucking up yeah, yes. to the Celtic fans, which yeah. he has subsequently. Uh, Apologised for and said he shouldn't have got involved yeah. in, which is which is yeah. Enough. Yeah, I didn't hear. I, to be honest, I'm terrible at hearing what folks saying. Grounds. I didn't. I presume they were obviously Celtic fans were shouting something at McInnes, but didn't hear what it was. And uh, sad orange bastard, this, I believe yeah, it was. Yeah, um, um, but the Aberdeen fans, as you point out, were um, had some an unsavoury chance of their own, yeah. and also they booed a man who was being carried off after mm-hmm. just being knocked out. Yeah. Cold, which I think was a little bit it was, distasteful. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was crap. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, for some balance, Celtic fans booed Gary McKenzie even when he got carried off in Is the same right? game. I mean, it, it's I don't know. I'm not getting. In, I wouldn't ever get into like what fans did and said. I think mm. that it, I think McInnes was wrong to react to it, but I think he did the right thing in saying that mm-hmm. my mistake, mea culpa, and, and moved on from it. Yeah. I, the, the, I, I didn't actually understand just on the Boone thing I didn't really understand the Boone Christian it might not it obviously it wasn't all the Aberdeen fans it certainly I didn't really hear any around us but Hayes was booed sort of I mean the names I mean there's a bit of that that's fine it's the kind of pantomime yeah, stuff exactly. that's Right, this would have been more the fury of, or the perceived injustice of the decision, yeah, yeah, spilling yeah, on yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to, I guess, and, so. and, and Christie being, I mean, not being made a scapegoat. That's wrong, but the kind of that anger being directed towards yeah. him. I don't think they were really booing a man who uh, had just been knocked out, mm. or I don't think they were really booing him because he used to play for um, um, for us, and now he plays yeah, for yeah. them because he was on loan from them. I know, but they, but they, they, there was some people that were booing him beforehand. As I say, it was kind of. Pantomime, it doesn't yeah, really exactly. matter. Like, you know, the method that like Boo Ryan seems or whatever, that's fine. Mulraney was getting booed yeah, by yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's not like, it's not like yeah, he left under the flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of okay. Although I, I like to think if it's somebody, Wraith used to boo kind of John Beard about, or people who actually had sort of a good career and did all they could with the, the club they were at and then get booed their way back, which I kind of think is a bit shite, to be honest. Mm. Like, but fine, it's not, I'm not going to get that hit up over it. But, um, but it did seem it was just pretty distasteful, like given the guy's been knocked out on the ground. And he's a young guy and he was on loan for two seasons and did his best as far as I can tell from the mm-hmm. two seasons at Aberdeen. One and of it, the it, least uh, offensive yeah, players. Yeah, Although somebody yeah, hates yeah. his um is there not somebody on the podcast that hates his celebrations? Did not hear that no, recently. I don't know. <laughs> but but I just I don't know, it was just a bit it was just a bit depressing that that was happening, to be honest, but yeah. Moving on to something else depressing, which was the first half of the game the previous day. Hearts <laughs> 3, Inverness 0. My God, what a shite first half that was. It was awful. Yeah, it was. Um, do we have to do the first half? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, just, um, we'll just touch on it. <laughs> I think the nicest thing I could say about it was it 
Callie it ended. Were, <laughs> it ended. We're no longer. We're no longer watching it. I think um, there was a, a feeling that. Well, I mean, it would, it, from a from a sort of like, how are these teams matched up? It was it. It didn't look like a total mismatch, and I think Callie did quite well. Like tactically, they looked mm-hmm. solid. They looked. They didn't really cause a huge amount of threat going forward, but it looked like it might be a good, a good cup match in inverted commas, and not in the sense that it's like a championship side who have got other priorities, mm-hmm. which it, it could well have been, and you know. It was the the biggest game of the season for Hearts and and everything for them, and it could easily have been far more one sided in the first half than it was. I think the nicest thing I could say was it was dogged, and um, both teams were tactically disciplined enough <laughs> to. Oh God, I'm trying to sell it. It was absolutely dross. A bit more in an attacking sense, but there was no there was no final ball. They had way more of the ball, which you'd yeah. expect with the relative quality of the two sides. Um, Uchi got into some good positions. Um, his touch let him down repeatedly. Um, there was another one where he was running through where I felt like he should have just leathered it rather than trying to turn back into a crowd of players. Uh, and the other player... It was worth pointing out, I think, from that first half was Mulraney. Again, he showed flashes. He he um, he's got a, he's got an incredible turn of pace, uh, which a lump like Rooney just can't keep up with. And but again, there wasn't quite the there was a couple of decent balls he put in the box, but there wasn't like that final ball or the mm. execution from Hearts, and there wasn't nearly enough enough of that in the first half either. And Inverness. To give them their due, one of their one of their scenarios would have been no matter how we get there, if we get to the if we get to half time nil nil, then that that's yeah. that's phase one of our mission complete. Yeah, it, you kind of got it from the the fact that some of the Hearts fans were booing Hearts off the pitch, which I thought was kind of harsh. That's on, harsh on the, I know, I know. <laughs> it, it's kind of harsh on the the basis of one forty five minutes against a championship team who are clearly up for it. Obviously, in the kind of wider context, it feels more like in keeping with Hearts' performances over a number of weeks and months. But, um, yeah, you're right. Inverness would have kind of gone, well, fine, we've actually started to get the fans on Hearts back if we can keep this tight for 10, 15, 20 minutes in the second half and maybe create a couple of chances of our own. Then we're, we're right in this one. And they weren't, and they certainly went out of it in the same way that Aberdeen felt out of it even before the, the, the sending off. The one thing that probably characterised both the games for, certainly the two teams that lost, is that they didn't create a great deal. I mean, Inverness had a couple of chances from Chalmers, but there wasn't, there wasn't any great period of concerted pressure or a great sense that they were ever going to There was a wee spell at 1-0, which we'll get to. Yeah. But I, I think um, Ollie Lee really set the... I mean, he had a fantastic second half, but he really set the tone from the first, from the first 30 seconds or whatever it was where... Uh, he picks up the ball in the centre of the pitch and from 40 yards he, he, he fizzes a shot which is going straight towards the top corner which is a really good save from Richards. and I just felt like that kind of after a really as we've just discussed after a really poor first half from Hearts um, it was it was the perfect start to, without actually scoring sorry but you know what I mean it, yeah. it really set the tone that Hearts were going to come out and, uh, and, and, and be better in that second half Yeah I think we've, there's been a couple of examples in the last couple of weeks where Levine has changed things, not necessarily tactically, but whether it's the proverbial rocket or he's done enough to get a very different sort of performance in the second half. I think, I mean, I, I think while there were people booing the performance in the first, I think that's 
anyone who's watched Cali Thistle this season, that's what they've been good at. You know, they've got a lot of draws, and not all of them have been because they've thrown away leads. Mm-hmm. They are they, they're neat in possession. They move the ball around well, um, and they've got some good footballers. But they're also a pretty dogged um, hard side to, to 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 break down. And I think it's credit to Hearts that they found us another gear early on um, in the second half. And um, yeah, just. Ch- Change the flow of the game. I mean, I I actually thought that immediately. I thought it was quite. It was even until two 0 I thought even you know a hard score. Um, and immediately I thought there were a couple of decent opportunities. I think. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's some debate as to whether the um the goal that the goal was disallowed, that was, disallowed yeah. was was offside or whether that's. So I I thought that they. I thought it was a much more competitive game. It was a much more for for two semi-finals where we were both three nil. Mm-hmm. It was a much more competitive three nil than yeah, uh, the one I did there. yeah, because everyone actually had a shot on target. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two, yeah, right, two. <laughs> um, so yeah, but Uchi puts Hearts ahead, um, and then there's a spell where I don't know what Hearts were doing. The centre midfield, they were just they were hesitating, they were turning back, they were giving away possession. June commits a foul on the edge of the box, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't need to commit. There's a, there's other bodies around there. And especially with somebody like uh, Chalmers, Chalmers, a decent yeah. shot on him. And uh, Levine said he didn't even watch the pitch at that point because he knew how uh, accurate he can be with his left foot. And I mean, what a save from Bobby Slamal. I mean, it's a, it's a cracking strike, obviously, but what a save from Bobby Slamal. And uh, a kind of special mention for him, given the last semi-final that he turned up in, he threw one <laughs> in the net and uh, basically ended any char- uh, any chance Hearts had, uh, had of um, going through in that tie. So, yeah. A really good save. I mean, I think it was. It, it, we're now treated to however many camera angles you want, really, and it would be great to see that from his perspective mm. because I think it looks like one of those ones where he takes a step the wrong direction, is unsighted, and it's like I mean, he's he's on the right side of the goal for it to happen, so it is but it's not side, where. It's the side of the goal. But it's not where anyone's expecting him to put it. No, and, and um, if it's two inches higher. Uh, or or something in that ballpark, then he's got no chance of saving. Yeah, he he's he's got to he's covered about as much of the frame of the goal as he can with his uh, with his kind of double-handed effort. Yeah. I think it's Mackay that's walking past that's just like, un- like incredulous that he's managed to save it. I, I said to the guys next to me um, that it was going in. I thought it was in. Uh, before he hit it, obviously, I thought this is, yeah. this is in. It's going in. And yeah, my God. And it probably, you know, you're right, Tom, it was certainly a lot closer. It, probably, it would have probably changed the tone of the game at that point. You could imagine fragile yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Inverness would really fancy their chances to to win it at that point. But. I think, I mean, given the given the reaction at halftime, that I think you know, it 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 may well be just a sort of sign of where the relationship is between Hearts and Levine at the moment that it, it is a bit fractured. Had mm. had Cali equalised at that point, then it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't wouldn't necessarily have changed the momentum of the game because Hearts were the better team. But it does change the mentality yeah. of, of, and the pressure. And that uh, gave Hearts a chance to create another five set-piece opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> one of which they scored. first one was actually pretty inventive. This one, they just kind of reacted to a, to a situation. Um, actually, it's one of the things I wanted to bring up that... I mean, Hearts are like the England of Scottish football. The, the, you know, the, the 2018 England that went all the way to the semi-final. <laughs> like, keep it tight um, and, and be inventive from and, set And have an easy draw. Have <laughs> <laughs> an easy draw is also part of it. But I mean, I've it's heard... It's an excellent tactic. <laughs> some people say recently that um, 
that Hearts are a one-dimensional team, and I think that's a little bit overblown. If you're talking about long ball, I think that's a little bit overblown. Um, obviously, Hearts do like to play direct. They do like a long ball. Better can do nothing else than play <laughs> a long ball or a five-yard pass. So um, I understand that we, that we are a very direct side, but I think that's overblown something. But see if people were to say we're one-dimensional but say it's, say it about set pieces. I, I would accept mm. that. I would accept mm. that Hearts are one-dimensional mm. in that they they put a lot of their eggs into the set pieces basket. Yeah, but I guess that's it works. You know, it, it's just as um, good a way of scoring as any other yeah. way of scoring. So it makes sense if you've got so many big units in there um, from kind of front to back, then you load the box and get as many free kicks and corners as you can. All, all they don't have is a kind of long throw expert that they can. That would be the kind of perfect thing uh, that there is. It's it's a one yeah. is one, but he doesn't play every week. But I'm sure, is there not somebody else we've got who who um, thunders the ball into the box from a throw? Well, I'm sure there's somebody else. But yeah, um, Bazanich, when he plays, mm. does it anyway. Right. Uh, but those... I'm not a huge fan of long throws. I mean, they're very... Um, the, the, the amount of times they end up in... Goals are very yeah. few and far between. I think as well, there's a lot... Like Since Rory Delap was doing it, everyone's realised, yeah. yeah, let's just put it in the box. Whereas what he was doing was totally different. You know, his was like, you know, arrowing down, <laughs> yeah, top spin. Yeah, and yeah, also there was an all yeah, sorts of yeah. physics going on Hard with that. I said it with uh, Robbie Nielsen for... I mean, not to the extent that Rory mm. Delap was doing it for, for, uh, for Stoke. But, used to be a guy in the mid-90s called Dave Challoner that played oh, for yeah, Tranmere Tran- Rovers yeah, and he used to be able to do it from the halfway line. Yeah, that cup, that cup run they had, yeah, he was yeah. kind of... That's so and that was the first time anyone saw it. And it, I mean, that was like, almost like they're cheating. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was interesting to um, Shelley Kerr saying um, afterwards the amount of credit that needs to go to Austin McVie because of the variation in set pieces. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a strange criticism to have of a team being good at set pieces because it's almost like they've identified the opportunities you're going to get umpteen times a game mm. to do something that you're in almost complete control of and you're taking some... I mean, I, I'm amazed there's not been more, you know, almost NFL-style plays. I mean, the Hearts have tried it. They've done, done lots of different the, things earlier in the, the season, season where the, the pretending that the two players have fallen out over who's going to take it and then taking it quickly after that. And uh, Yeah, yeah, this one this one for Uchi's um, goal was, was very good. I haven't seen that this season. But yeah, they, they had what they had done was, I think a couple of the corners before that, they had piled everybody into the six-yard box as well. Mm. But this one, what they did differently... I don't know if that was part of the plan to do that a couple of times and then the third time have a player just run out and not any player but your your quickest player. But even then, Chalmers didn't. Chalmers wasn't slow to go out there. It's like Chalmers decided not to bother following him at first, and then by the time he goes out there, Mulraney, like I mentioned earlier, he's got such a good turn of pace uh, that he was he was beyond Chalmers, and there was nothing he could really do about it. I think a lot of it was every every set piece or certainly every corner looked different it looked like it didn't ever look like they're trying to hit a, a section of the goal you know they're not trying to put it in six yard box not trying to put it in the penis box. and it looked like it had really unnerved mm. Cali like they didn't know like they knew something was coming every time they knew it it wasn't just going to be a case of you you zonally mark or you pick up your man or it was like there is going to be something coming from this. There is something that you are, un- are not expecting. And when that happened, three, I mean, it was what, three or four 
before they, they got the second goal. Um, I think they were just really unnerved by it and they didn't really know whether they were coming or going and I don't think it was necessarily that they switched off. They just didn't... They were they were well out of their comfort zone by that point. And Hearts eventually added a third through Sean Clare from the penalty spot and again Ollie Lee's involved in the build up to this one with a I mean I don't know if there was any point in him making a no look pass <laughs> but uh, it, was a, it was a good pass all the same yeah uh, and it was I mean I think he's the one of the arguments you've got against the fact that Hearts are just a big kind of long ball team so I think Ollie Lee's a lot more talented than that and when he, he gets in the ball he, he can make things happen and he did, you know, he is one of the, the more inventive players and he does have an end product, unlike Mulroney, who they're, they're probably getting as good out of Mulroney as you're ever going to get, to be honest. Like the last, you know, the game against Hibs and then the game at the weekend, he was fine. Like he didn't look massively out of place, but he's never going to be, he's never going to have like a, a period like Forrest where he suddenly becomes this incredible player that he previously wasn't so if he can add an end product I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna I, I think but, but we didn't think Forrest no, was going no, to and listen true. I'm not trying but, to say but I think most folk don't I think there's there's more people who, who don't as opposed to wingers who become like Forrest yes. or, or mm. you know reach a, a totally different level so I would, I would and I want to make it clear I'm not saying he's <laughs> going to get anywhere near the quality of Forrest but if he can add yeah, it's not what I heard Scotland squad, twenty twenty three. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I, th- I think, I, I don't think Lee was. He didn't have his maybe best game in the first half, and he was, he was kind of. Oh, he was playing out wide, I guess. Well, he's like tucked kind of in, yeah, yeah, that tucked in four four two. Didn't yeah. necessarily work that well in the first half, and I mean, I think given Hearts winning three 0 given the team they had out, or the you know they had Keena playing as well, Mulroney. Obviously, don't have Naismith. You've got kind of holes across the team. I think you can't really argue that much with it, even if even the first half wasn't all that great. Anybody, anything else to add to this game? We'll just leave it there. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks very much for listening again, guys. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can all the usual channels, be it Twitter, Facebook, or email. Uh, also, check out the... Patreon content, we're going to go and record something now about Arbroath's title win. And uh, yeah, that's patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. There's lots of um, good content going up there depending on which tier you select. And uh, yeah, just say bye, guys. Bye, guys. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.